Up From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. So welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 168 of the show tonight. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living life full-time. If you are new to listening to the show, this is where we interview artists, entrepreneurs, creatives, and people living alternative lives, doing the things that they want to do instead of the things that you're supposed to do or the things that have always been done. So tonight I have on Colin Trombley, who is a vocalist for In Shallows. He is also a nasty-ass skateboarder and uh, in charge of a clothing brand, creator and founder of a clothing brand, Shredded East. So we're going to be talking about a bunch of different things on the show tonight, and I'm sure that we uh, will accidentally get side-quested into metal frequently because it makes me happy uh, <laughs> to talk to other, other vocalists. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, ha- to have you on, man. Uh, for people... Who don't know him, we're going to get into this for a second, but I met Colin in a pretty awesome way where, uh, shout out to Ian for connecting us who made one of our music videos that's going to come out for my band Broadwing in September probably. But we did it in a skate park where we rented out a skate park and we were getting really close to it. And all the skateboarders that I had talked to to come and be in the video were from Mass and did not want to come up to Bath. And we finally found uh, someone crazy enough who lived in Mass to come all the way up to Bath, Maine and, and hang with us. So Colin uh, came and literally skateboarded for like four hours straight doing flips and things in our, in our music video. So I got to meet him that way and go out for beers after. But uh, I'm just pumped that we got A, that opportunity to have you save the day and do an awesome job. And then B, like, obviously, like I, I like a lot of the things that you're up to, man. So it's nice to kind of find a connection that I'm going to keep up with anyway. So I'm happy to have you on the show, dude. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. And I got to say that was uh, such a dope way to kick off the summer. Just, I remember, I, I think it was like two days notice. And I just took the day off from work after Ian asked me if I was available. I'm like, fuck yeah. I've always wanted to go to that <laughs> park and check it out. You had never been to that park before. That was like the first time seeing it. Yeah. First time I, I saw it on YouTube, probably back when I first started skating when I was like 14, 15 years old, I'm like, Oh man, my parents will never take me there. So once I saw that you guys are there, I'm like golden opportunity. That's so funny, man. Yeah. And then it just fell on your lap and then you just took the, you took it and you killed it. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome, man. All right. Well, so for people who are listening, this video will be out in like September and you can see this guy skate, but like he was a champion. Like literally we're, we're sitting there in the middle of a half pipe. And the way that Ian had said that the music video had to be is it was being shot in some way where the shot had to stay the same the whole time. And this crazy motherfucker is just in the background, just going down this enormously large half pipe consistently for like an hour and a half straight or something like that. Your, your leg muscles must be like Olympic, Olympic jacked leg muscles after that. Uh, it's quite the way to start it off, especially after the car ride, man. Got the blood flowing. Oh my God. So for people calling that might not know your, your band and your clothing brand and your skate, uh, you do a bunch of skate videos and things like that and skating around at, in, at uh, like contests and stuff. Do you want to just walk people through like, 
what kind of made this mix of things that you're up to and, and kind of what happened to create this brand or join this band and, and, uh, make your world here for people who don't know what you're up to. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me do my best to clarify. Um, so I started skating when I was like 13 years old. So I think this summer it's coming up on 17 years of gripping and my Work. body feels like it. I bet. Dude. I bet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I've always skated and I've always, um, you know, just liked teaching and stuff like that. So I work with kids and kind of help show them the ropes and stuff like that. So definitely fun. Um, but what really got me into metal is my brother's friend brought me to my first concert over at the Palladium in Worcester. Yes. Children of Bodom was headlining. And uh, Black Dahlia Murder was there. They opened it up dressed as Scooby-Doo. Rest in peace, Trevor. <laughs> that, and that really just opened my eyes. Just that first show, just seeing it live. Really kind of... And then going to concerts from there, it just built me up from there. Just always wanted to be up on that stage. Didn't care what I was going to be doing. Just wanted to get up, try it. So I started screaming like randomly in my parents' minivan when I was 16 years old. The <laughs> they probably Thank loved it in the shirt <laughs> yep. yeah yeah let's go dude yep. let's go <laughs> that's and, awesome uh, from, yeah from then on like i never knew if i could do anything with my voice or not but then um our guitarist bobby wharton he hit me up one day because we've always been good friends throughout the years and always talked about starting a metal band since like seventh grade so he's like, all right, man, I got the jam room all set up and I've got all the recording equipment. So let's try to scratch some stuff together. So, so I just kind of built from there. And what time, when was that? When did that happen? That was the end of 2019. I think we started screwing around and maybe in late summer and then uh, refer, re- recorded our first hit single, Anim Grace, in 2019, December. Wow. Like not that far before when COVID just dropped. Right. And then uh, we were able to leverage COVID. You know, we were still hanging out and trying to make music while, while the rest of the world shut down. So use that to our advantage. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Wow. That's so funny. It's, uh, it's interesting that you say like screaming in the minivan because I want to say that I learned screaming also when I was driving. Like, Cause I, I don't know. Cause you, you were in my recent music video, which is not that genre at all. It's so different, but I come from that background when I was in high school, I joined, I start, I like co-founded a metal band when I was like 17. And then I did that. And then I had a hardcore band, like all through college where we were actually like going out and playing just every weekend. And so that was uh, like a start in doing vocals for it too. So whenever I meet another vocalist that's straight up about it, and then it's like awesome to kind of like connect on it. But I think I learned that also when driving and then it was something about it where like practicing it at my house, even I, I, you know what I would say the same thing is like relative with singing too, where like I would sing at home, but I did not like my parents hearing before I was like good at it, if that made sense. I was more fine, like, cause I was drummer. I was more fine if they heard me like play like shit on the drum set or play like shit on a, um, on a guitar or something like that, then right. bad vocal takes, especially metal or something like that until you're good. It's so much more like, I don't know if you feel this way. So I'm kind of like saying it to like ask your vibe on it, but 
for me, it feels like really, really personal because it's literally your voice on the record. It's literally your voice. And it's like, that's a trademark and like an impression of you that it feels way more like personal attack. If, if people hear me when I'm being like bad at it and practicing on it, I'm like very self-conscious on that. So I used to, in my car, put the music on, practice doing the lyrics with the bands. And then I would, what I would do is I would turn the volume way down so that I could hear my voice. See, am I, am I in key? Am I sounding good? Or am I just sounding like good because I'm next to this vocalist? It's actually like great. And then I would kind of bridge that Delta. Like if I was sounding shitty when I turned that volume down and did the whole song like that, but I would repeat songs, dude, for like an hour ride, I would do one song and just like repeat that until I learned those lyrics. I don't know what your, what's your take on that. It's interesting to hear another vocalist take. Yeah. So, um, this might answer the whole question, but <laughs> my parents, my parents didn't even hear me scream until our first show, uh, two months ago. In Brown, no way. Wow. Yeah. I had, I never showed them. Like I was always embarrassed of it. Yeah. Um, probably like I would say no more than 10 people even knew I could scream. So I really? think that's why it kind of came as a shock to so many people. Like when they first heard it, like they see the shit, show and they're like, like, what did Colin, what is he doing right now? Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> people can't, yeah. I even still hear it. Like good, good friends. Wow. I had no idea you could do that. Like, I can't believe you're making that noise. Yeah. Well, I will say even uh, like random times, like through day jobs and stuff, if I'm in like a, like I'm all dressed up like for an office or something like that. It is very funny to be like, oh yeah, you want to listen to some of my older songs? And they listen to it and they're like, hey man, that was pretty good. Who is the vocalist? He's like, that was me. And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Especially if you do the lows or something and you're lacing stuff. And sometimes you're, you, you just sound so deadly and people see me, I'm just like a, a lanky little, little white boy in a suit. And it's just like, people, are, people can never put that together if they're not just straight up listening all the time. And then like seeing the images, like, I feel like we get used to seeing the people that are doing the screams, like, cause we're at the shows, but a lot of people who just straight up don't listen to it. They just don't understand that that sound can come from any, any person and they're going to sound different, but that's really funny that, uh, what did your parents think when they saw that happen? When they saw the show? You know, I showed them the music video and stuff like that beforehand. So they had kind <laughs> of a sense of it, but I don't know if they were proud or if they were taken back or <laughs> really what their sense was. <laughs> man they must have they must have been blown away but like i've never seen that from this person now like this is like couldn't be more all the way than a music video or a live show it's like this is 100 what's up right right 100 so cool <laughs> my dad used to um like god bless him we were practicing at my house and my parents did hear us god bless them for allowing a metal band in a hardcore band to practice in that house like weekly from like 17 to into my twenties. Uh, but he used to come down and like make like bruschetta or like he'd make like fancy hors d'oeuvres and then walk down. We'd be like ripping it down, like crab coring it, crushing things. Right. And they'd come in and be like, do you want some bruschetta and like some nice cheeses or something? I'm like <laughs> oh this gosh, is the best. <laughs> this is the best. But how, how not metal is this right now? That we're like in the middle of crushing it and screaming about stuff. And then we're just sitting there eating like fancy hors d'oeuvres. It's like, it's amazing. Hardcore pretty metal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, oh, that's man. Awesome. So cool. So, and we'll talk about we'll talk about more of this 
later on there, but I just want to get through kind of like putting these pieces together of what would have made you. So you have skating that you kind of started when you were 13 that you held, held through just continuing to skate. Then you have music where you were always like, yes, I'm going to do this thing. And then 16, you're like starting to, to try to scream and things like that. And then recently 2019, you're in your first, was that your first band straight up? Yeah. Yep. First wow. band. None of us have ever been in a band together and we were all for the most part, high school friends off in the same area. So I think that makes it a little bit more nostalgic. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Honestly, there's probably a part of that that's really helpful too, because I feel like you might have skipped a bunch of drama that happens with just like all those hormones when you're growing up also combining it with like the ego of like playing shows and things like that. So it's like you might've expedited past that by just coming together with these guys, like after some of that time, you know, I think so. Yeah. You know, we, we all waited till we were like established adults with full-time jobs and everything just to get the funding and, you know, it just all worked out this way. And it's really awesome that it happened like that. Yeah. So talk to me about this uh, clothing brand that you have. Cause I know that you like to work with trying to help kids anyway. And, and I'll definitely mention some things about skate parks where I, they're really doing that soon, but like what, what's up with this clothing brand? When did you start that? How did you come up with the idea to do that? And what's that, uh, what's that mean for you or where is it going? Shredded East. Cool. Right. Yeah. So shredded East, it's my little baby and, uh, it's just been blossoming throughout the years. Um, so I originally wanted like kind of a bigger organization to kind of tie my name into, you know, I won't be able to skateboard forever, but I always want to leave a mark kind of in the skate community in a way. A lot of my friends dirt bike and stuff like that too. So it's like, I try to cover a lot of like East coast action sports, you know, hence the name shredded East. Um, so like you're shredding anything in the East, you know, it's like, you kind of want to be a part of it or, mm. you know, want, you know, want you to kind of find maybe a sense of community within shred, shredded East. Yeah. And, you know, I've sold a lot of shirts, hoodies and stuff like that around my hometown. And I get like random pictures from homies or if I slapped a sticker at the local bar in the bathroom or something. Like, yeah. Oh, there you are, Colin. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just been really cool. Like just to bring it along the ride. You know, I try to sponsor events and just throw like a bunch of shirts, you know, just to give to kids or whatever. Because when I was a young kid, like that's one thing that I vividly remember is like somebody throwing me a shirt. I was like, no way. Like I'm part of it. Like this is sick. So yeah. I just try to take that and, you know, give back to the community. So when did you, when did you start it? I uh, kicked it off in summer of 2018. Summer of 2018, right on. So what? What made you, so basically your idea from it was, was, Hey, I'm not going to be able to skate forever because my body will at some point get destroyed or slowly fall apart. So I want to create this thing that matters to me very much and just turn it into a brand that's interacting with people in a lot more ways so that this, this, this culture, this part of my life is now positioned to move forward in my life in the future as well in different ways. Right. And, you know, I've always, I've always felt like I thought of a bunch of cool ideas. I'm like, man, I should just start my own brand. So it's kind of given me a little bit of an outlet to fly that. Cool. So you said that you're, uh, cause I, I had seen the website for it to look through some of your designs and things like that. And I definitely want to pick your brain on that as well. Cause I'm working on like a clothing brand thing for kind of the same reasons, but 
when it comes to like coverage, you're saying that you create content from many other like shred shred worthy events. Is that what you do? You also create content with it as well as part of this brand. Uh, you know, I do my best. I'm a I'm a busy guy, and I'm in a lot of places and all the, all the time. And sometimes it's hard to sit down and get that video edit done. But I just try to do what I can, and you know, keep everybody stoked on it. Yeah, and it covers more than just skateboarding. It's different things as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have some dirt bike jerseys in the mix that I'm hoping to release by the end of the summer, maybe fall time. No way. Um, what's cool is like I don't. Maybe it's not cool. I don't know. I don't really give myself deadlines with it. I'm just kind of, you know, I've got the band now and I work full time and I skate. So it's like, not to say it comes last, but um, yeah, I would definitely like to put more time into it and come up with more cool stuff or cool ways to kind of promote the company. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, just through the years, it'll eventually, you know, keep building up into whatever it ends up being. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of clothing brands out there that are more of like a boutique brand, which is what I would say probably something like that you're you're building because it's really aimed at the the action sports that are happening in New England specific, right? In terms of its branding. There's right. a lot of clothing brands that um when they're a boutique and they're not as big of a corporation or something that just have to go quarterly on like everything that say like fuck it to the fashion. But you know, the fashion seasons and stuff like that, they just get so absolutely absurd where they make people really make a lot of garbage stuff because there's season changes they have to have and new designs and whatever. And uh, I watched like a documentary, I think it was on Kith. You ever seen that brand? No, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, it's a really cool brand where he started doing sneakers in New York and then and then made a lot of other things like that. And he's, he talks about it a lot where uh, he like is a large company. They, they bring in stupid revenue, but he still at this point still doesn't do seasons where like people will often be like, can you please do this seasons? Like every other clothing maker does. And he'll still be like, it's whenever I fucking make what I feel like is the right thing. And if it's not good yet, or it's not, I'm not making things that are good, then I'm not going to just put things out. So he doesn't, he has no schedule and it kind of makes it even cooler because then it's just like when he has a launch, that's a really cool, interesting launch. And then it's like, I don't know when I get to have this again, there's probably exclusivity for his volume level too. And it's just like, whenever it comes out, I think that's honestly a great way to like stimulate creativity that way. Because then when you're, if you're trying to put out these dirt bike jerseys or something else that you're trying to create, you're putting it out for a reason. You're putting it out because it matters to you or because it like is the right time for it or something like that. So I, I think that's pretty cool, man. Right. And, uh, you know, I, whatever I make, I buy the clothing in bulk third party and then, you know, get it printed on. So it's like, it's not like I'm going to have an endless supply of everything or it's always readily available. So it's kind of like, we're dropping it. You better be on your shit. You better buy it. <laughs> Other than that, don't know what to tell you. You missed out. Yeah. Do you, so do you do any, like, uh, like what, where are you promoting this? Is it just by you being at events that people are aware of it, or are you doing any other things? Like you, I know that you mentioned something about throwing events or anything like that. How do you promote this brand? Uh, How do people you know, find that? Mainly on Instagram, you know, I'll, um, you know, drop a skate at it or hook, hook homies up with stickers or shirts or whatever it is. It's, uh, you know, I, I haven't really cared much to, you know, do anything too crazy with it. I was thinking about maybe making a TikTok or, 
going in that direction, but creating content's like very hard and Dude. editing takes forever with everything. Yeah. I was just having a conversation about that with my wife. Uh, so her and I do like a lot of like renovation and real estate together. And then I kind of do my audio and music and podcasting and stuff like that. It's like a separate thing, but she used to do a lot of our YouTube channel with me and we've been very not putting out YouTube videos for a while right now. And, and, um, lately I've just been talking about like the fatigue from it, dude. It's just like, I have now been podcasting weekly for four years and change maybe. And wow, it's like, crazy. Hey, dude, we're one, we're 168. <laughs> Thanks, <I've>... man. <laughs> Thank you, man. It's, it's, it's just no joke. And there's ways to be like organized with it. And I kind of go back and forth with times where I'm, I'm organized and I have a, a backlog and I have the pressure off of me because I have like six episodes in the, in the queue or something. But then there's other times where just like you're saying, like you're in so many different places. You like, unless you're full time doing whatever you want to do, even with that, probably it's just like, it is very difficult to stick to content schedules for the consistency that they demand to build them. And like, not be, first of all, not be fatigued. But second of all, like even uh, like my schedule, it's like, all right, Monday nights, I edit, I edit things. I update the website. I update uh, like distribution and stuff for the podcast. Thursday nights, we're hanging out. I'm usually tracking podcasts. Every single day I'm doing a TikTok. And then these YouTube videos I've been not doing for like months now, like probably three or four months totally fell off, but we were putting them out like by weekly and content. Like I think if I had unlimited money or unlimited time where I could have people edit these things, like I, I had, you know, one of my assistant engineers for audio editing the podcast for some time and probably will again, I kind of every once in a while can open up a little bit of bandwidth to try to get people to schedule things for me or help me edit things or, or batch things out or whatever. But it's like, if I had unlimited money or unlimited time, so I could just have, I come up to this mic and everything gets done. I think it would be a total different story, but it's like the end of the, the, the fact of the matter is like, you need to build content to be in a position where you may, you're doing so well with the content that you can hire people to scale it and do more content. But it's like that whole climb up there, it's usually like 10 years or even longer. Right. And it's just a grind where lately there's been so many weeks where I'm just like, dude, I don't want to fucking do this. Like, I just don't want that portion of my life to be taken time wise to put to this. And I also like love people. I'm such an extrovert. People know that I like to really draw energy from being with people. But there are weeks where I'm not having a great week and I'm like, I don't want to fucking talk to anyone, including content. I don't want to tell. I don't even want to talk or interact with people on the internet. I want to just disappear for like a week or two. And uh, it's that, challenging. Man. Yeah. It's tough, you know, especially the hot weather, you know, you're worn out by the time you get home or, you know, whatever it is. And it's, you just kind of want to do you or sit down and relax and, you know, yeah. think about it sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, like me and you Playing talking right sounds. now, like I'm pumped on this. Like I'm getting tons of energy by like hearing more of your story and like getting to connect more and stuff. And that that's awesome. But like two hours ago, I knew that I had this interview and knew that it was with you and I was going to enjoy it. But at that time I was like, dude, I just want to go fucking watch TV and not matter. 
you know, I wanted nothing to matter to <laughs> just like dip right. around like everyone else gets to chill. Not everyone else, but you know what I mean? Sometimes you're just yeah, like, come on, man, that. I don't want to do this grind. So right. you, you know, got to take it in small portions and do what you can with it. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's all you can do. And just like you were saying, like you make the videos, sometimes you can't, uh, I've fallen off on content. There's been missed weeks. There's been missed months of stuff. You just can't do everything. You got to do the best that you can. You got to be on like the platform that you're like the best at creating on. So it's not as miserable for you. Like it can be fun for you. So, you know, but I, I hear you there. Sorry to uh, rant off of that one thing that you said, but you said content fatigue. And I was like, damn, this is on my mind the past yeah, three, no problem, four man. weeks hard. So I will say one of the toughest parts is like, if I'm at a new park or something I've never been to, and I'm like having fun skating, it's like, it's really hard to stop skating and be like, Oh man, can I film you to get some content? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's every, every day is a new battle. I'm bad with pictures with that because I like say I'm traveling or my wife and I are at some like event. We'll notice like huge gaps of photos because I'll be like, I'll be so invested at be like, Whoa, this place is crazy. Like I've never seen this before. Like I'm at some place that's probably truly beautiful or something. I like can't, I don't have it into me to like stop, but like, let's take a picture. I am so friggin' like fatuated with like where I'm at. I'm like, this place is crazy. I want to learn and figure out everything around here. I don't even want to stop and break that. So there's many times where like you're saying a new park or something like that. I'm like missing photos from things to document or to share on social. Cause I'm like, I want to be in this moment, like very invested. In right. it, and I don't want to break I, that literally at all. I feel that man. I'm a, I'm a huge in the moment guy. So yeah. You're not alone there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I feel that. Like, just for an example, as you know, in Snapchat where like those news stories pop up or like random people. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but some what girl popped up and I was watching her trip to Disneyland and she must have had her phone in her hand literally the entire time. Like her friend must have been so annoyed with her. Oh, look, we're eating this ice cream with sprinkles all over it. And you know, then she's, she's like on the roller coaster, like filming herself. It's like, what are you fucking doing? Like the opposite, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm also that way with concerts where like, I will, I will take some pictures and videos, especially if it's like a band, like I just went and saw um, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd and the concert, the experience of it, not the just the music, the experience is just like crazy logistics, crazy. So like you have to, but like it, it that's a very in the moment thing for me where like when I'm at a show, I don't get the people that only live behind a video camera. And I feel like an old person saying that because you listen to their music all the time. And this is like the one time that you see them, especially if they're on a tour or something where like, I don't have my phone dude up. I'm like in the pit, I'm crowd surfing. I'm at the stage. I'm saying lyrics. I'm smashing some beers. I want to be in that. I don't want to, want to hang and document it. Just like you're saying the sprinkles on my ice cream. It's like, are you really looking at this video later? And you're going to check out the sprinkles that you had. You're not going to remember this at right. all. You will not remember your sprinkled ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way though. Like if I'm in the pit or something at a concert, like I'm fully there. I'm not trying to get the shot, but it's usually I'll bust out the phone when I'm trying to catch my breath. Like within the first couple rows. Yeah. Like hanging out of the person in front of you, like casually dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
I, I remember uh, bringing like you were. You said that you your brother's friend or something brought you to your first metal concert, right? Yeah. Shout out Matt Boz. There you go, man. Yeah, he was actually my skateboard mentor too. He's like he was. He would pick me up, bring me to the skate park, show me new spots, wow. give me videos to watch. Like, and I think it's really important that you know somebody have somebody like this in their life to kind of show you the ropes or how it's actually being done just to kind of give you a perspective when you're first jumping into something of you know how gnarly can it actually be yeah actually that's that's honestly a a great point because it 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 made me remember something that i did want to include in terms of the skating side and then we'll kind of maybe go backwards because there are other things that i want to ask you about the shredded east piece but in terms of uh like the skate parks I think I was telling you in terms of the music video where it's like, I, I can skate. I can't do any of the stuff that you were doing. And we shot a whole music video, like in a skate park and people kind of like asked me like, Hey man, I didn't know you were like a, a skater skater. Like, why are you doing this essentially? And the reason is because I did skate. I, I, I skated, but it wasn't really the point of like, I, I, was going to the skate park every weekend and being like good at tricks and things like that. Even though I wish I really did do that, but it was more so like the culture and like the places to meet up with people. It just became something as a way to either like invest, like just like music is like escape, get away, uh, be a part of something and like meet people that were, that were similar to me in some ways where I used to skate to before I had a car or anything, I used to skate around to, uh, different towns and skate around to like the market and stuff with my friends in the summer. So it's like a huge nostalgia hit from the summer and the way that I grew up. And then just like those centers, like that place that we played at for the bath, the bath skate park, it's like, that is a, a teen center and they come there like every day after school, that place is packed and they're, they're actively helping give someone a place to go be with people do something that is kind of nuts and kind of like cool to like challenge yourself. And I've just noticed a lot of places like that. Like there's one that my brother-in-law showed me. That's like a place that just opened up in Worcester. That's like free or something. And it's also like a teen center. And what I noticed with skateboarding in terms of like a trend in pop culture, it kind of goes up and down of like being like really, really hot. And then like, kind of like going low for a little bit in terms of pop culture. But what I've always seen from it is, there's always like a collection of, of people giving them a space to kind of do something constructive or do something to challenge themselves and form like a community from it. And that's what has always drawn me to it. Like, I, are you seeing that or, or have you seen that throughout your time at different parks and, and centers and things like that? Or I guess what, what are your, what's your take on that? Um, you know, I, I think it's super important, you know, especially if I'm, I'm a middle child uh, out of five. So there was always, wow. our house is always, you know, just ridiculous, but, uh, it's a lot of people. Yeah, I think, it, yeah. Yeah. Always busy. Always somebody beating somebody up. <laughs> but, um, I think that, you know, my parents were, are together, so I, I can't really like relate to the other side of it, but you know, if you have somebody that's not there for you 24 seven or, you know, no, no brothers or sisters or anything like that, you, you do need those places, you know, you, you need some sort of positive outlet where it's not just you or like, you know, bad group of friends or whatever. I think it kind of helps build moral value in a sense, you know, just hanging out with people, uh, a community center for one, 
you know, because they don't just pick up like any random people. I feel like probably somewhat screened or something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, I think they're they're great. And I'm currently doing um, skate instructing for this. It's called the Chill Foundation, and it's a subsidiary of Burton Snowboards. So it's no like way a, like, side project. So I've been working with them for like three or four years now. Um, started off as a volunteer, and now I'm getting paid. And uh, you know, they asked me. It's to the point where it's like take off work to go teach some skate lessons if they're in the middle of the day. Just something that I like doing. It brings more energy to skating for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm. I've realized I'm never going to go pro or get a crazy sponsor or anything like that. So if I can just be there and mentor or whatever for somebody else, then, you know, that's, that's my form of, of, you know, going pro in my own way, you know, having totally, people like, look up to me and I don't know, some people don't like doing that or whatever, but yeah, it happened to me when I was younger and I've always wanted that person to be there for me so I can be there for somebody else now. That's huge, man. Yeah. Cause it sounds like that. Uh, I think you said his name was Matt or something. It sounds like he had a huge impact in like the trajectory of some of the things that you're really about right now. And to be that to someone else to be like, Hey, uh, like do this thing or like you can be good at it. Even if you're sucking right now, like that's huge, man. It goes a long way for people to like get down into the thing that they end up loving for a big portion of their life. It's like, if you don't have someone to say like, Hey, it's okay that you fucked up, you know, you're not going to automatically be good. And like, here's some things that like will help that's mega to like make it so that people continue to do some of these arts and, and these uh, sports and things like that. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like the, the pro, like my, your version of pro or something like that, I think that's so relative. Cause like, yeah, you're not like a Tony Hawk video game, you know, pro skater or whatever, but like to your community, like you're pro man, like, you were just in my music video, you're teaching skate lessons. You are, you have a brand formed around you where it's a, a part of your life and, and creating content and documenting and, and creating a culture and stuff like that. And that, uh, you know, that is professional when, uh, when you're seeing someone can continually create a climate of this thing around them for just years and years and years of consistency that is pro dude. It's just like not the exact definition of pro when it comes to like a, a definition or something like that. Yeah. Thank you, man. And it's weird. I've had like some old high school friends reach out to me and be like, man, it's awesome following along with you and seeing what you've been done throughout the years and everything that you're doing. And it's like, I've, I've kind of worked myself up to this point where I've gotten into the job field where I don't necessarily have to be somewhere like every single day and I can focus my attention elsewhere. Word. So I think that's given me like just a huge benefit and especially moving to Boston Been here for like five years now, it's just opened a lot of outlets for me and like skating, you know, it's skating has brought me in so many different random places. And like you said, you used to ride your board to the local market or whatever. Yeah, like, dude. Yeah. I've uh, like, we used to take trips to New York city and, I find myself on the hood with just my homies and it's like, Oh wow. Like, no I never way. go here without like a skateboard, but you have the board in your hand. Nobody's going to bother you. You're just doing what you love. You're filming with your homies and you're just in a new spot. That's wild, man. That's really cool. So like you just go to New York and just kind of like hit it with the skateboard and see what happened. 
Yeah, you know, there's like a spot on the list that you want to go check out. You're checking out the spot. You're not worried about who's living in the whatever building. It's, yeah, it's all a fair game, and I, maybe that's made me a better person because I don't like I don't walk into a place and like judge a situation by what I see. It's worried about myself and mm. whatever goal I have in mind. Yeah, I definitely benefited from like many times where I went to New York city for like these conventions and I had friends living in like all different parts of the city and I would crash with them. Cause I had like zero money and I really benefited, man. Like I, I love cities. I've never like lived in the city and I'm always like close enough to get in and do stuff. Like right now I'm 15 minutes from Portland, which is not a mega city, but it's a good city. And I go down to Boston a lot, but I've never lived in cities. And I feel like, you just get exposed by such a large amount of different types of people so quickly uh, that when people are living in cities, it's really beneficial because it expands their horizon. And, and these moments where I was like constantly going to New York and I'd be there for like a week or two weeks at a time with a city with such a large population, such a diverse city, it was awesome to live in different parts of the city for like a week, two weeks at a time. And uh, that expanded definitely my horizon like a lot to do that. So I'm like very happy for those moments. And it was the same kind of thing where it's like, I'm not picking where my friends are living at. I have no idea where they, I don't know the city. So I have no idea when they're like on something, something street. I'm like, great. I'll, I'll fucking bring a sleeping bag. I don't know. You know? And so yeah, you just no, there and you start figuring hack. it out and you know, every, everything's different. So it's like awesome. And then, uh, you just, you just get, uh, you start doing doing things different or, or not doing things different and it's good. So yeah, yeah, definitely the way to do it. Like not being able to pick your own surroundings or anything like that. I think that's the biggest part about it. Yeah. Cause we just have natural like biases or things that we don't understand about the place that we use to make these decisions. And it's like, you really benefit from just like being put in the situation and then just living life because then you don't, alter the way that you're about to do something to uh, understand like really where you're at. You don't understand the place. It's nice to be just thrown in the situation. Like you're just skating around a city or you're just booking a trip and just doing things. That's I, I advocate for travel like crazy, man. I just love it. I love going to new places and just living in the places and just seeing how people live and what they're up to. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. really makes you kind of appreciate your own life in a sense too. Yeah, really quick. Simon James said what we've all been dying for. He said, do a kickflip. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> I feel like do a kickflip is like the same as when you're on stage and someone says, play free bird. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you, you, you accept it. You do still think that it's funny, but you've heard it so many times that you're also like, oh my God, dude. <laughs> It's really picked up in the last three years, I will say. <laughs> Has it? Probably because of Tony yeah, you know, videos. I think so. Um, on YouTube, just running yeah. around telling people to do a kickflip. So that's, funny. That's awesome. So for like, uh, I want to go back for a sec to the Shredded East. You said that sometimes like you throw your own events or things like that. Have you? What, what type of events do you throw when, when you're doing that? So I have yet to throw my own event. Um, you know, it's like... I think the very the very first event um, I was into was the Antrim Park Skate Jam, and that's over in Antrim, New Hampshire, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But they've got a really cool park, and I knew all Sick. the people that ran it. So I'm like, hey, listen, I just started up this clothing brand as a cool vibe. Bring a pop up tent, 
So I just brought like a bunch of uh, like skate decks that I had that were new and kind of brought those to sell and like some other merch or swag that I've won in the past that was just like untouched. So set that up with a bunch of shirts and it's like, boom, there's a table and here's shirt of these. Yeah. And it's just kind of grown from there. Um, So it's mainly skate events that I go to, but you know, one day I just want to be that guy at a surf event, you know, big shred of these table and overhang and just chill out with the beers and I don't know, give away shirts, swag. Yeah. Hell yeah. And when you were talking about like buying the merchandise, so right now you have it so that you will like, are you designing it as well? Are you working with the designer? I only start asking this rabbit hole because I'm literally working on a clothing brand right now. So now I'm, I've been hit with all these things that I didn't know in the past. So now I'm always curious when I run into someone else, it's like making stuff. How did, how is that portion of it working? Um, so I've got a homie, I've had a couple homies kind of help me out on different designs. I'm honestly, I, I want to find like an artist who can dedicate more time to shred of these than I can <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. But, you know, I just want somebody just as hyped on it. Um, so if there's any artists out there tap in, but you know, I want to start making like more elaborate graphics and just more clothing, maybe yeah. boards one day, who knows? Uh, just seems like the skate industry is being a little bit overflowed right now, but I don't know. I think if you're putting the passion behind it and it's not just some, uh, you know, corporate store coming in trying to run the scene. Like I can name a couple shoe brands that are doing that now, but I don't want to bad mouth anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, uh, it is what it is. It's always going to be skater owned and operated. So, and then yeah. always provide the best prices, I guess. So that's, that's just what it is. Yeah. Will you say it though, in terms of like the, there's definitely like a, just a vicious mark. There's a, a, a influx in the market, but like, I just picture like the Northeast is big, but it's also not that big. And so people know you, they know you in the communities, they see you at these events. That's totally a brand dude. And they see you at your shows. They see like you're forming a brand around you. So it's like, even if you're competing with like these larger things that are all over the place, it's like your advantage is that people know who Colin Trombley is and in a, in a certain spot, you get momentum in a certain spot, then uh, that's how you, you know what I mean? That's how you grow. So that's pretty cool. And in terms of the design stuff, I mean, Simon James, who's been hanging out with us live right now, he is going to do a kickflip for Simon at some point. (laughs) He he probably can do a kickflip. I think he used to skate. He's got friends that are skaters up here, but Simon is also an artist. So Simon, you should hit him up or Colin. I'll, I'll I'll link you up with Simon, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, I'm running into the same thing where I, am very good i think with like recognizing fashion or like being like i I will see trends like on their way happening and i'll be able to like picture what images or or vibe or things should be on something but i'm not a designer so i'm not able to use the tools to actually create that which is usually my problem in music as well where like i will uh, i can drum i can play guitar terribly I can play bass terribly and I can sample and I can do keyboards. So I can play everything, but I play kind of bad and on a lot of things. So what will happen is like, I'll have an idea and I'll hear the song and melody and harmonies, but then I'll have, it'll be slow process for me to like get things out. If I don't have a guitarist uh, with me, I'll, I can figure it out. It's just so slow with me. And then 
fortunately my band right. is literally two drummers. So now we're just fucking so slow at writing, but I'm the same way with that. And, uh, it's been interesting. It's been really good for me to like work on that because working with someone else who is in a different creative space and trying to translate that bridge, I find that it's very frustrating and difficult, but it's very rewarding to like go through that process of like a different creative, like you've been now playing music for a while and then you start this brand and you're trying to relay that between someone who's a, who's creating these designs and stuff that can be a really healthy thing to like try to communicate between different creative fields and like try something new that you haven't been. I've been doing music since 17 communicating with other musicians. That was like a very different thing from my headspace. It was just a different way of thinking entirely. Did you feel that when you were like getting into it? A little bit, but honestly, what I was after that first metal show I went to when I was like 16, whatever, um, you know, I, told myself one day, I was like, man, wouldn't it be the best dream in the world to be like a pro skater and a metal screamer and then like go on tour and hit all these skate parks. Along yeah. The way. That would be <laughs> sick. <laughs> so like, I guess subliminally, maybe that's what I'm ultimately working towards. I don't really know, <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, you can choose people's interests. Not all skateboarders like metal and not all metal musicians care about skateboarding. So it's, you know, yeah, I just, yeah. two things that I really love in my life. And I, that's just kind of what I stick with. And it's been my roots since day one. And I hear a lot of people all the time, like, Oh, I used to listen to metal or I used to skate. And it's like, you know, if it, if it brought you joy and it never stopped doing that until you left it behind, you know, why did you leave it behind? And why don't you right. start doing it again? You know, right. Simple math. Yeah, totally. There's like a lot of things that I've gotten interested in as I've gotten older, cause I was exposed to new things, but there are certain things where like, I have loved it since I was a teenager or even younger. And you're like, that shit doesn't go away, man. There's like certain pillar anchor points of like how much it developed you as a person that are just part of the blood that runs through you somewhere. Right. Right. Speaking of that, you still have your Pokemon card collection. <laughs> Me? I don't. That was, that's a sore spot for me. I had it. Oh. I had it in a closet and then I wasn't actively collecting them. And it had been a couple of years and my dad sold them. I'm pretty sure. And that's tough. I do have my Yu-Gi-Oh cards though. I have two different Yu-Gi-Oh decks. Both are like fairly lethal for different reasons. And I would absolutely play that. Probably not remember it, how to play it, but if someone hit me up, I would definitely, I would definitely play that. I used to go to competitions for that when I was like, I don't know. I was probably in high school, something. And I used to cheat really bad, like an asshole. <laughs> so if you, if you were out there and you saw me beat you with the fake Chinese knockoff version of, of Zodiac, then I'm so sorry, but I did. Do that, I can't even but. believe you're admitting this right now. <laughs> it's my podcast, uh, man. I'm, I'm authentic on here. This is the real yeah, truth. If I had a fake Charizard, I would have used it too. <laughs> It's so funny that you say that, man. The, the KB toys near us used to do these like week weekend Pokemon leagues and they'd give you these little booklets and you would get a stamp for like one stamp for one trade, uh, three stamps if you want to battle. So me and my older brother, man, we, <laughs> we would just wreck the system. Like, yeah, I traded like <laughs> 17 times. I won five battles. <laughs> Boom. Here's a promo card. <laughs> and they're like, damn. Yeah, dude, it was, that was the thing. Like, it was Pokemon ended up getting banned from our school. So 
I don't know exactly what the what? reason was, but it was just such like a hectic thing when it when the that's craze vicious. started. Wow, that's prison <laughs> rules, man. Taking Pokemon out of the school. Come on. Uh, it was a sin. Wow. <laughs> it was a Catholic school, actually, too. So maybe that had something to do with it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, man. I mean, speaking of that, I'm lit- I'm not going to get it soon, but I, I literally am going to get a Pokemon tattooed on me because it's just like, it's been this long. I still, dude, when I'm on a long flight, like if I'm going to another country or something like that, I still rip out the Game Boy and I play the newest fucking Pokemon game, dude. I'm not messing around. I don't care if I'm a 30 year old playing it. It's like, that's it, man. You know, that's it. Yeah. You. What's the, uh, what's the Pokemon you're getting for the tattoo? Uh, Haunter. Nice. I don't, choice. I, I, yeah, I don't know why those three, those three original OG ghost Pokemon, I, pretty much any single game that I find them, even if it's the newest one, I'm going to make one of them a fucking rock star and I'm going to use them. And I don't know why it's, it's probably Haunter is going to be Gengar. And Gengar is just like overdone from people that don't even like him. They just like he's gotten he's gotten too too popular for me. I have to I have to stick with like a, a B side ghost, you know. So <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering when they're gonna make the VR Pokemon game. That way you're like walking around and you see like a Gengar hiding in a trash can or something. <laughs> Active. Oh man, that would be we'll, we'll make that 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 has to exist at some point. Yeah, me and you. <laughs> we'll be like 55, dude, still playing Pokemon on VR somewhere in the... <laughs> oh, God. I'll let Throw that be... Pokemon right. to your mom's window. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let that be future me's problem slash benefit. All right, man. Well, I have... Um, I have... I think it's six questions now that I ask at the end of every single episode. And they're kind of like not as long uh is like our conversation throughout it so are you cool with um getting hit with those i ask the same questions every time so that, that way i can kind of compile every hundred episodes and see how people answered this from different backgrounds yeah fire away hmm. all right first question is why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could possibly do uh Number one, got to bring a paycheck in to continue doing the things that I love to do. Fair. Um, you know, build self-worth, gives you a reason to wake up and a reason to, you know, keep pushing forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, just you, you don't want something that stays too stagnant to where it's eventually going to disappear. So I think that's the reason I wake up is keep things moving along and doing the best I can. That's fair, man. That's a good reason to wake up. It's better than letting it go stagnant and just swimming in there. Right. Right. Got to You got to mix up the pot every single day. What would be along the, the way, what would be like something you'd tell five years ago, ten, uh, five years ago, you or 10 years ago, you like, Hey, don't do this thing. If you could like learn the lesson from it, this like really sucked. Uh, what would the actual thing be or. <laughs> yeah. What would you say to that? To, Five years ago, 10 years ago, you, you're like, Hey, don't do this thing. It could be a specific event or like an action or anything where you're like, don't do this. That was shitty choice or shitty thing that I learned from, but I would have rather not done that. If you could learn what I told you. Right. Yeah. I would probably just go back and tell myself to keep my head and keep making smart decisions. Uh, You know, everybody screws up eventually in in one way or another. And some instances cost cost you more out of pocket or 
friendship wise or anything like that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I would tell myself. So. <laughs> yeah. I feel like one of the biggest most recent one would be don't buy Dogecoin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know what the future could be. But yeah, right. I mean, honestly, if you want to say that right now, don't buy literally any investment because it's hurting right now, but it'll all come back. We'll, we'll get it. I don't know about safe moon, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm, there's a lot of stuff that I feel not good inside on right now, but I'm holding it and I feel optimistic. So we'll see what happens, but yeah. yeah. Uh, flip side, what's like the best idea you've had along the way or something that you'd tell five years ago, you or 10 years ago, you like, Hey, definitely do this, do this as soon as possible. This is like the best. Man, if I knew, like, I would have started in shallows way sooner. And me and Bobby have had this conversation before, like, man, what if we just started this sooner? We'd already have a big fan base right now and it wouldn't be nearly as hard. So yeah, I would have yeah. went back and slapped myself in the face that start, start a band with Bobby, Cam and Nick. Hell yeah. And it's, it's, I'm, I feel that man, because like this band that I'm in technically has existed for like since 2015, but like really not like, you know what I mean? It's been many times where it's like, no one took it seriously or, uh, we were just busy with life, like becoming adults. Like we're like, we're getting crushed by shit where we, we didn't have to, when we were kids, like we had more time and it's like, we're restarting now. Like I'm literally scrapping all my old catalog off of Spotify and starting completely fresh with these new singles for me. And it hurts to do that at 30 when I was doing that, when I was a teen. And I was like, what if I just did these things then the effort in the production, the effort in marketing, all these things that we're learning now. But at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of it. It took me that time to learn, you know? Right. You know, but yeah, there, there's definitely also kids that have learned it way earlier than me and were doing it. And that's why they were smoking me out there. So, you know, yeah. So goes the world, man, with everything. Now you got a, uh, like five-year-olds out there doing kick the board slides down towards yeah. their handrails. Yeah. <laughs> so it just is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fourth question is, uh, if people were thinking about like you, like they're thinking about Colin, what would they say? that your superpower is like, not, not like a fictitious one, but like in real life, like what's, what's Colin Trombley's superpower. Hmm. A good one. I'd be curious to know what they're saying too. Uh, what do you, what do you think that they would say? If like you asked a bunch of different people, what do you think that like maybe a common commonality? I would think maybe just um, being a people person and like maybe livening a group of some sort, uh, bringing people together in a way. Um, fun fact or little story, actually, um, previous company I worked at, they would give away these funny superlatives at, uh, Christmas parties. And okay. Okay. The last right. year that I worked there, <laughs> I won one, not too proud of it, but, uh, what was it? Most likely to give somebody a hug than a handshake when meeting them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I oh, fall for that. I fall for that often and want to hug people. And I sometimes like very much forget that people are not comfortable with that. Sometimes, even if I've just met someone, I want to hug them. And uh, (laughs) there are a lot of people that are not comfortable being hugged at all. Definitely not being hugged by 
a big old bald guy, bald guy with a beard the first time they see him. So I feel you there, dude. Gonna tie that with a Pokemon VR game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, what would be like a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? Like something that could be a book, a podcast, a YouTube channel, uh, like anything that you've drawn uh, like influence or inspiration from. Um, so I recently, yeah, I found this author. Um, I don't read a lot of books, but whenever he drops one, I make sure to read it. His name is Eric Barker. Hmm. Um, his first book was called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Okay. And it's just like, it's just super like, it helps you through daily life. Uh, kind of teaches you about more about humanity, um, how people act in certain situations. It's just like very enlightening. And I remember like, when I finished it, I felt like I'd just gone through like confession for the first time or something. Like, wow. Like light was kind of, I don't know, weird euphoria feeling. But I mean, anything Eric Barker related, I think he's got a mailing list too, where he just sent out like little blurbs and stuff like that. Yeah. But I uh, highly recommend him. Cool. Yeah. I love books like that where you read it and like when you're done reading the book, it has shifted the way that you think. And from one book, that's, pretty awesome that's why like i totally got back into reading over the past few years because like there's been many books that like legitimately have changed my life because they've changed the way that i make decisions every day and that's legit so i haven't heard him on the show yet so i'm pumped i'll put that in the show notes for people who are listening to this as a podcast so you can do that and then before the last one i always ask just like where do people keep up with you but i just remembered that we didn't share this uh colin has a really fucking cool cover of a post Malone song. It's Hollywood is bleeding and it's sick for anyone out there. That's likes metal. You're obviously going to like it because of the way that they clash those genres or the way that it hits like that song to me was meant for this to happen. But then past that, anyone that just likes listening to it's so cool to just hear how people can take a song and then do it their own way, really in any genre, I feel like. And so People should go check that out in shallows. Hollywood is bleeding post Malone cover. I'll have that in the show notes down below as well. Or if you're like listening, you can't touch the show notes. Now waking up from work.com episode 168. That'll be in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, man. Um, I'm still waiting people- post Malone's response too, man. So if everybody could just go, uh, go tag him in it and <laughs> we can he make that happen. Yet. Cool. Come on, post. Hasn't answered yet. I don't know why. <laughs> He's on tour right now. He'll answer after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's buying too many grills. First yeah, no, I'm, I'm legit going to go see him in September. It's going to be dope. Last is just where do people keep up with you, man? Where do they keep up with your, your clothing, your skating, your music? What, uh, what links should we have in here? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, just Instagram is the most popular one right now. Um, you can friend me as a friend on Facebook. I'll probably accept it. But, uh, you know, if you follow individually all those things and you will see everything new coming out. Um, I just feel really weird, like on Facebook, like posting a status update. Like, oh, this is what I got going on for this and this and this. Yeah. And I also like have this weird sense of like, I don't want to shove myself down people's throat. I don't want to keep posting constantly. Like I get this like weird social media anxiety thing going on. So normally yeah. I'm just like living my life. And if it's a cool highlight, then I'll throw it up on my page or, you know, but I'm going to 
you know, it's summertime, Shred East is going to be kicking back in the swing of things here. And then it, obviously in shallows is plugging away. So it's just finding the divide of time for Colin Trombley to be pumping out this material. But, yeah, man. Let me know when you guys are, do you guys have any shows up here in Maine soon? Um, nothing in Maine, but uh, we, we got a show in Manchester, New Hampshire this Sunday, the 17th, okay. o'clock at Club Jewel. Cool. Um, if you know any venues or you know anybody who could kind of help book us up in Maine, definitely down to do that. We're trying to get on stage more and rip it up and build the build the scene. Yeah, hell yeah! I will look at some of. I mean, I got here myself like two years ago and moved here during COVID lockdowns, so it's been taking more time than normal for me to kind of like meet people and figure things out myself here. But uh, I know uh, a bunch of venues here and a, and a couple that might work out for you. They, I, I will say real quick, Portland is like super indie rock, which is inconvenient because I used to write indie rock. And then as soon as I moved here, I started writing like a very different type of like rock alternative thing that like is not that. And so it, right when I moved here where the city is very like prone to that and the shows are that a lot. I'm not writing what does really well here, but uh, there's definitely still all that happening here in Maine. There's no doubt. And um, one venue comes to mind that I'll, I'll, sh- I'll throw your way, but either way I'll have to get out to a show, man. Yeah. Once your new song drops, man, you'll be, you'll be booked up. Yeah. Hopefully, Everybody's man. Gonna <laughs> Everyone's going to watch you skate and be like, what a champion. And this music's okay, but like, check out that dude. Why is he wearing a helmet? <laughs> <laughs> Still bummed about that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, man. That was the it's only way that we got to be there. So, um, yeah, no worries. Which I get, I totally get from their side too. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for being on the show, Colin. Like, this was awesome to like chat with you more about your stuff because I felt like when we met that day, I felt like a great connection and your personality was so chill, but we didn't have time. We were so action of what we got to do. I'm glad that we got a time to like, not only share what you're up to on here, but also like get a chance to like know more about you and what you're up to dude. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on Dave. And the uh, next time I'm up in Portland, man, I'm, I'm hitting you up and go Anytime, up. man. I'll buy you a beer and a lobster roll any day. Sounds good, homie. Thanks cool, so man. Thanks for having me. 